Next on BYU Sports Nation, time for some rule changes. The NCAA mixing things up. How it could significantly affect BYU's quarterback situation. Politique is back playing rugby and doing it on the national stage. How he went from the Bears to the USA Eagles. Plus, which historic BYU team would you take against any other team? And your Croatia World Cup update. Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Ole, 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 ole. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Thursday, June 14th, opening day of the World Cup. Wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with Team Croatia road kit designer, Jerem Jordan. Yeah, uh, worked really hard on that for Team Croatia from yesterday to now. And I'm pleased with the output. Uh, yeah, we're watching the World Cup here. Uh, spoiler alert, Russia up 2 nothing at the break on Saudi Arabia. So Russia holding serve at home in the first game. Very exciting. Not a surprise that the host team comes out with a bunch of passion. Yeah. They're playing Russia has well. stunk recently. So that is surprising that they're up two in the first half. When was the last time a host team did not play well in the World Cup? Was it 2010? Find play well, like get out of the pool. Was it 2010 when it was in South Africa? They yeah, didn't and, advance and to South the Africa's not good. elimination stage, but it yeah. feels like everybody else they, generally plays They should well. host it in like the worst country and just see if that country can make it out based on, like Trinidad and Tobago, you're going to host the World Cup. <laughs> Canada, you're going to host the World Cup of the well, U.S. and Mexico. Qatar hosts it in 2022. Yeah, that means they get in, for one. Question, does get, so it's a 48-team tournament in 2026 with Canada, Mexico, and the U.S. So does that mean all three get an auto bid in? I'm assuming yes, because it's 48 teams. If there are 48 teams, that, absolutely. That, that's great news for, one, the U.S. They're in, which is good. And I then guarantee. Canada getting in. Congrats. Maybe Steve Nash will play for the Canadians. Yeah, I guarantee the United States will be playing soccer in the World Cup in 2026. Uh, I would hope so. Let's hope it works out in 2022 as well. By the way, can you work on the $90 price tag for that road kit Croatian jersey? If you want the legit Nike stuff, not from China, you're going to have to pay for it, brother. 90 bucks, man. We were going to buy some jerseys, but uh, yeah, no budget for that. (laughs) All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's what's trending on BYU Sports Nation. The NCAA implements some new and significant rule changes for student athletes, including the following. College football athletes can compete in up to four games in a season without technically using a season of competition. That means mm. you can play four games and still redshirt? Wow. That doesn't necessarily have to be the first four games either. Just any four games, I believe. Student-athletes, regardless of sport, will have the ability to transfer to a different school and receive a scholarship without asking their current school for permission. Hashtag Matt Wells. College football bowl ties for conferences... And schools will be based on a four-year average of historical bowl eligibility. Conferences, essentially, that perform at a high level consistently will be rewarded. There is a long list. 
we picked out a few of the most significant that we feel will impact things for the future of sports right now. Jerem, what do you think of the new NCAA rule changes? I love the redshirt rule. So we could see, you know, BYU guys uh, play later in the season. We'll discuss it in a moment. But, I, yeah, I like it. Not just for injuries, but for impact. Like, you play a guy. It's not really working out. You know what? Hey, let's, let's cool it. Four games is a lot. I would think, like, two is probably a better number. Two. You, like, before it was, oh, he played a snap. Redshirt broken. That was weird, you know. So in 2002, BYU could have brought in Ben Olsen against Utah State. Instead, BYU came back and won that game. But they could have brought him in. They didn't because they were going to snap a redshirt, right? Um, I, I like the transfer thing. I don't think it's fair that a coach can decide whether you can do something. Like, ultimately, if the 17-year-old teenager wants to just go live in an apartment by themselves, they should be able to do that, whether that's of their best interest or not, in a collegiate form, right? And then the, the bowl thing is actually good. I think too many bowl bids for a certain conference is probably bad, although BYU could benefit from that this year should they be bowl eligible because BYU didn't have a bowl. They need another conference to not supply enough teams. These rule changes make the sports the sports better. I love the scholarship thing and the transfer rule. If you have this, the best interest of the student-athlete in mind, then this is something that should have been happening for a long time. If you're not going to pay them, do things to help them in other ways. If they want to go somewhere else, let them go somewhere else. In what industry would we not allow that? Exactly. No, you will not go work at another job. Like, no, I can work. Yeah. Is this you a, should, you is this a dictatorship? No, I, I feel like that should have been in play for a while, and I sure. think that makes it so that it is in the best interest of the student-athlete. I really like that. As far as the four games in a season, I think that the competition changes now because coaches are going to be allowed to experiment with things if they so choose to do that. Not BYU hey, in the first three this year. We want to see if a guy can go out and if he's a gamer. Let's, we don't have to burn his redshirt. If it's too early, we can decide that, hey, we're, we tried it. He's not ready right now. Let's pull him back out. He can still redshirt and no harm done. I and it's really four like games. That. It's not the first four. So, for example, if Moroni Laulu Pututau had been ready in the last four games last year, BYU could have played him and still redshirted, redshirted him. Interesting, right? Just let them go play. See if they're ready. If they're not, pull them back out, and it doesn't use up a whole year of eligibility. Awesome. These are the makes sense rules in my mind. Yes, and historically the NCAA hasn't made a lot of these. So this is good. Like, I acknowledge that the NCAA did something that I liked other than March Madness. So thank you. Okay, with these rules in mind, Spencer, how do they affect BYU? What do you think? Well, this gives BYU football coaches the opportunity to play a bunch of guys they otherwise might not. And going along with what I was just saying, let the players go play, see who's a gamer and who's ready for the spotlight, and if it works out, they stay on the field and they keep playing. If not, red shirt, bring them back next year. This has the best interest of the athlete in mind. Specifically for BYU, the quarterback situation with the true freshman, becomes an entirely different story. What do Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall do, and how do they factor into the 2018 season if and when they need to? McNeese State is game four. How much will we see those guys? And again, it's not the first four. It's any four. 
So later in the year, should BYU not be playing as well as it wants, it could throw whatever quarterback it wants out there for at least a series. I imagine on special teams we're going to see different guys as well because, hey, we're going to get you in the game. We're going to see what you can do a little bit. Not, not on offense or defense per se, but we're going to let you play a little bit. You know, it's interesting. What if a guy plays the last four games of the regular season and then they're like, well, we can't play in the bowl game because we want to redshirt you. So the coaches are going to have to be very aware of, does a guy play? I need to know this. Does play mean one snap? What does that mean? I need some clarification on that. Probably. Yeah. Probably. You, you take get... snaps in four different games. What if on that snap there's a flag? Did that play count? Because technically it doesn't exist. <laughs> oh, that is going it could deep. Get, it could get tricky. But I, I think these rules are good. I think they benefit BYU. I think that BYU could benefit from some transfers. Perhaps uh, there have been some real impact transfers for BYU over the last couple of years. Hopefully there are guys who uh, can leave immediately and come here. Obviously you still have to wait a year if it's D1 to D1 and redshirt. But guess what? What if BYU's like, listen, we're going to redshirt you, but we want you in the toughest games we're going to play. The beginning of the year. We're going to play you against Wisconsin, Washington, Utah, and Boise State or whatever. BYU could just play whoever they want. And then you redshirt them. That's pretty interesting and very strategic. Congratulations to the NCAA for doing something that should have been done long ago. Better late than never. But at least it's happening now. At least it's happening now. Now work on how to pay the players. (laughs) That one, uh, (laughs) it's going to take about another decade to figure out. I've yet to hear a good plan for that. Exactly. I agree with it, but I'm like, someone figure out how to do it. Who has come up with a good plan? Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. Not just the NCAA. Like we're, we're talking about geniuses that are still trying to figure this out. So maybe they need to put see. some geniuses on it. We wait and see. <laughs> Can President Trump uh, chime in on that? He's busy. <laughs> busy. Uh, yeah, uh, he's taking care of international matters. And speaking of that, the World Cup in Russia is now open for business. The host Russia and Saudi Arabia in the opening game, as Jerem said, Russia leading 2-0 at the half. If you missed it yesterday, Croatia, thanks to an entirely random draw featuring the law firm of Bagley and Nelson, is now our official BYUSN World Cup team. Our college football team, come on, that's locked in for life. UCF all the way. When do the BYU Cougars open season? Countdown to the Wildcats. 79. Yeah, if we threw in days there, it's a little tricky. Good call there. A great number 79 in the history of storied BYU football. Dustin Reichert, offensive lineman. What a touchdown in 01. 1998 to 2002. Tackle eligible against Louisville in the Liberty Bowl. That was a great play. That was BYU's BYU's only only touchdown. The only only touchdown for the number one offense in the country was by an offensive lineman that game. That was pretty crazy. We have decided to tie the World Cup and the BYU season opener that is 79 days away together for our third trending topic today. Jerem, what is the best opening game in the history of BYU football? Okay, it's not 1984 Pitt, who is ranked number three. Here's why. Even though that was live on ESPN, first college football game on ESPN, that was live. Okay, They used to just tape them and play them back. Pitt ended up 3-7-1 that year, okay? So that wasn't a great win. It's Oklahoma. Oklahoma was ranked three. They had the national, uh, the Heisman Trophy winner. Colby Clawson separates the AC joint of Sam Bradford. And BYU upsets Oklahoma in Jerry's World. First college football game there. Live on ESPN. That was a big deal. I remember the streets of Provo 
uh, there would be red lights and green lights, and students would just come to the middle of, of an intersection during the red light, and then go green, and then go back. And then all of a sudden, there's like 10,000 people just gathered outside Lavelle Edwards Stadium. That, that was a BYU football rapture moment, okay? Those are special. I think it's Oklahoma 09. Dark horse pick for me is the 01 Tulane game. Wow. 70 points. 70 points. So BYU 6-6, six and six, Lavelle retires. You bring, bring back like the same crew. All of a sudden, poof. BYU had the nation's top offense, and it was fun for the first 12 games of that season. Then Dustin Rackert scores a uh, touchdown in the bowl game later. <laughs> if only it ended better in 2001. Luke Staley. Single tier. The correct answer is Oklahoma in 2009 because of how that propelled BYU on the national stage. BYU was ranked 20th, but they were still a significant and heavy underdog. After that game... And a blowout win over Tulane in week two. BYU jumps into the top ten. Yeah, suddenly. And they're in the convo. 2-0. Boom. Hosting Florida State. Let's not dwell on how that game turned out. Yeah, Brian Logan's trying to forget that one. BYU still finishes the season 11-2 and in 2009, ranked yes. number 12 overall. Last time BYU beat Utah and finished ranked in the AP poll. Game day came that year. That was a significant year. Oklahoma's the answer. Other options. Texas A&M 1979, and I referenced this game Mm -hmm. last week Yes, because Mark Wilson had recently had his appendix out and started that game with a flak jacket. BYU wins their first road game against a top 20 ranked team in program history. That's a pretty good way to open up the season. Pittsburgh 84, you're right. They were 3-7-1, but that propelled BYU on the national stage. To go on this national championship. Oklahoma run. at least went eight and five in 09. Not three, seven, and one. Texas A and M nineteen ninety six. Pigskin classic. Yes. Forty one thirty seven BYU win. BYU again into the national spotlight. And twenty fifteen Nebraska for seventeen million reasons. Yes, Nebraska stunk that year if we're talking about how they finished, but at the time, amazing. Amazing. Kobe Bryant recently said he'd take the two thousand 2001 Lakers team against any other team in history. So, Spencer, which BYU all-time team would you pit against another team in its particular sport? 1983 BYU football. You're convinced this is the best team in BYU history. And I think I agree with you. Can somebody convince me otherwise? Okay, undefeated versus one loss. Explain why this team's the best and not the 84 team or the 96 team. BYU dropped the opener then won 11 consecutive games. The only game they lost was against Baylor, who was in the top 20 until the final week of the season, and it was a four-point loss. BYU finishes the season with road wins over two top 20 teams, not just top 20 teams at the time they played, which they were, but top 20 teams that finished ranked at the end of the season at UCLA, at Air Force, BYU wins a miraculous game against Missouri with the Eddie Stinnett throwback to Steve Young. BYU finishes ranked number seven in the country. This set BYU up in 1984 as a team that was now starting to build this winning tradition under Lavelle Edwards. They had quarterbacks going. Well, they kept it going with from Wilson, McMahon, and, and Young. Yeah. yeah. But they were on, they were firmly on the radar. There's a reason BYU was in the first nationally televised college football game live on ESPN, because of what they had recently done. So that 83 team got a ton of respect. For some reason, 84, because Steve Young was gone, BYU started unranked. 
and then went from unranked to national champ. Auburn in 2010 was the first team to go unranked to national champ. I go 96 football. I think that team had all the pieces to compete at a high level. Top five finish in the rankings. Won a major college football game. The only game. New Year's Day bowl game in the history of BYU football. Correct. Uh, the, yeah, they played 97. We always forget that. They played a game the next year. This is a team that had a, uh, a quality quarterback, quality running backs, quality O-line, two NFL tight ends. They had uh, some NFL guys and CFL guys on that defense. The best pair of cornerbacks and safeties, perhaps the best secondary in BYU history. Some awesome linebackers led by Shane Muirbrook. The D-line did their job. This is a team that won clutch games against good teams. Texas A&M, Kansas State. Wyoming, a ranked team in dramatic fashion. Back-to-back ranked wins to close out the season. uh, Talking about the ranked wins and and both neutral sites, not road like you were arguing, but you have uh, perhaps one of the most efficient passers in BYU history, Steve Sarkeesian. Kaipo McGuire, a receiver from that team, was on the show yesterday. We asked him how the 96 team would fare against the 2018 BYU football schedule opponents. Here's what he thought. So I think we'd be undefeated going into the the Utah game. It's at Rice Echoes, everything on the line, and I think we'll pull it off. I'm trying to be unbiased as possible, but just looking at our team, assuming that we are all healthy and we have those two great corners and a great run defense, I think we'll be okay. I think we go undefeated. Now, that's pretty biased, but that was a top-five team for BYU. I would put the 99 men's volleyball team against any other volleyball team in history, including Karch Karai and those UCLA teams and some of the uh, good teams from USC and whatnot that won titles, UC Irvine. There have been some great BYU teams in different sports. But, yeah, in football, the top three to me is pretty, pretty tight. It's 83-84-96. Those three are the best three, in my opinion. My runner-up is 1981 BYU basketball. Led Eddie by Ainge. a bunch of NBA guys. Fred Roberts, Greg Kite, all those guys. Uh, pretty darn good. Yes. Pretty darn good. Our question of the day. Which BYU all-time team would you put up against any other team in its particular sport? Let's hear from the Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Michael Sorensen in on Facebook. Definitely the 2001 Luke Staley-Brandon Doman team. They were beast until Luke got hurt. Yeah, like the Jimmer Fredette team in 2010-11. Like is, if Brandon Davies is good to go in that NCAA tournament, Final Four, maybe? Like we all wonder. And that's a separate convo is what's the you wish you could play it back again with everyone in good standing and healthy and see what happens. 01 football, 2011 basketball. At Seth Killingbeck, representing Nashville, Tennessee, in on Twitter. 98-99 BYU Volleyball. Technically, it was just 99 just volleyball, 99. right? Yeah. Aussie Antonetti, Ryan Millar. That team converted me to a sport I didn't previously know existed. Oh, I was converted religiously as well. Like, it was all those things. They were awesome, man. Send in your responses. Hashtag BYUSN, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Yeah, great stuff. I mean, there, there are so many great teams. And I've seen 1981 BYU men's golf. That was the first major national championship. Yes, how about, uh, how about some of the great BYU baseball teams that wouldn't play in the College World Series because they played on Sunday? Coming up, our World Cup update and when you can see the official team of BYU Sports Nation play. Multi-sports star Paul Asike of Team USA Rugby and formerly of the NFL will join us next. What in the world is he doing now? 
to compete on the field as BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Football Media Day is coming up in a week and one day, June 22nd. Live programming on BYU TV and BYU Radio throughout the day. Join us for web chats and live programming right here on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Welcome back, BYU Sports Station simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Conversation rolling on social media right now. Follow at BYU Sports Nation, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSN whenever, however, wherever you would like to converse with us. Our question of the day, which BYU all-time team would you put up against any other team in its particular sport? This based off of something Kobe Bryant tweeted about last night. From at LaserSheep on Twitter. 1961 baseball. That's what I'm talking about. Led by Vern Law, right? He didn't play at BYU. Oh, he didn't, oh that's right. He didn't play. He won the Cy Young in, yes. 19, in the 60s. 60. Yes. In 1960 with the Pirates. Didn't play in the College World Series because of games scheduled on Sunday. That was a big deal. They probably helped lead to the BYU rule. Ended a 24-game win streak and went undefeated in league play. Not easy to do in baseball. 24 no, no, consecutive that's... wins in baseball, the most delicate of sports. No, that's incredible. Hashtag BYUS on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. More of your responses later in the show. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline is Paul Lasique, multi-sports star, currently rostered up with the Eagles, Team USA Rugby, former NFL player and former BYU standout. Paul, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. All right, it's been a long, interesting road for you uh, in the professional ranks. Now you're with Team USA Rugby. What made you feel like you wanted to go back to your traditional sport and start performing at the highest level again? Oh, man. Uh, I don't know. I kind of had uh, no options, really. <laughs> Um, uh, when I was released from Chicago, um, you know, Kimball Kaja, he coached me at BYU. Um, he was like, Hey, there's this new league that's starting. Um, you know, would you be interested? It's, it's kind of been in the making for the last few years, but it's coming. We're, we're having our first, uh, inaugural season coming up in 2018. Would you be interested in playing? And so, um, you know, I talked with my wife about it and, I initially thought I was done with sports after I was, you know, after I was in Chicago playing football. But, um, you know, she kind of convinced me to, you know, hey, just give it a go and, uh, you know, and see what happens. And so uh, once USA found out, I kind of made my return back to rugby. Um, they kind of gave me a heads up and said, hey, you know, we, we want to bring you into camp. And so things escalated pretty quickly. And then, um, yeah, and so here I am with my second tour with USA. So it's, uh, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, but it's been it's been a fun ride. We'll talk to you about that in a moment. I know you're in Houston getting ready for Scotland uh, this weekend with Team USA, but you played with the Utah Warriors in Major League Rugby, yep. Uh, yep. sitting just outside the playoffs right now. What's what's the season been like you in the inaugural uh, season as the captain of the Utah Warriors? Oh man. <laughs> It's been awesome, eh? Uh, it's been good getting back into it. I mean, the last time I played was uh, was in 2014 back at BYU because I had the stint with football, and so it was a it was a bit of a transition getting back into it. I had to lose a few pounds, and um, you know, it's it's been cool leading the Warriors here and uh, and out in Harriman at the stadium out there, and 
um, it's been an awesome journey, man. It's been a, it's been, um, it's been tough though. I'll, I'll, I'll admit it, and uh, but it's been, it's been an awesome honor to be able to captain the, the Warriors in their first season. So I'm enjoying it so far, and uh, I look forward to you know carrying on and seeing how far it goes with me. So there's a BYU brotherhood within this inaugural league and the Utah Warriors. Matt Jensen, Joseph Nichols, the Elkington Twins, the Whippy Twins, yep. Jared and Josh. How has yeah. that been, continuing to play with those guys post-BYU? Oh, it's been fun. Uh, you know, it definitely helps with the chemistry. So um, this team is obviously made from scratch. And so uh, being able to play with the Whippy Twins, um, it's unfortunate they ended up getting injured. So that we're not actually playing with them. But um, with the Elkington Twins and with Joe Nichols, um, it's been it's been awesome, you know, just in the fact that we've played together and um, we're able to have a little bit of chemistry, and so things are able to go a little bit smoother. And so it's cool playing with them again, and um, you know, being able to connect with them and hang out with their families. We have activities together as, as a team, and so it's kind of funny. It's, it's we're back at the we're kind of in a full circle again. It feels like we're um, we're back at BYU again, kind of. Um, it's been really cool. It's fun to see the former Cougars together. It's fun to see you back in rugby. What did it take to get into rugby shape after playing football for several years? Oh, man, it's uh, it's crazy. So when I was in Chicago, um, I was sitting at about 265, 270 as a fullback. And then so now I'm about 245. And so I've lost, uh, you know, 40 pounds since since last playing um uh, since playing football, and so it's funny. I have this. I've been taking before and after pictures just of my body, and it's so crack up to see the transition. Eh? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's like you know, my my love handles are gone, and so it's, it's actually been pretty cool. I feel a lot, a lot greater and lighter on my feet. And um, but it's by even though even though at BYU I was I was actually playing it around. 225, 230. So I feel like I've still got a little ways to go. There's just a lot more running and and rugby. You know, it's kind of kind of more um, more like on the lines of soccer in terms of conditioning. Um, it's not it's not like explosive short power like football is. And so I've had to get on the treadmill and you know just uh, the trainings are a lot different. And so it's been a it's been a rough one, man. I've had to change my eating, you know, so I can cut weight a little bit and. Um, but uh, overall, it's been it's been pretty smooth. Paul Asike, rugby star for the Utah Warriors and for the Team USA Eagles. And speaking of Team USA, you're now in international test matches. You play Scotland this Saturday, June 16th. What yep. is the toughest part about playing at the international level compared to Major League Rugby? Uh, just the speed of the game. Um, it's it's just night and day, man. Um, the major league rugby in the U.S. is it's a new league, and so um, the level of rugby is got a ways to go before it starts competing with the other with the other domestic leagues across you know across the world. Like in New Zealand, they have the Super Rugby. In Europe, they have the Top Fourteen, and so here in the U.S. we have the Major League, and it's starting out. So we've got a ways to go before the competition starts building, if that makes sense. But when you transition to the international level, it's just, oh, my gosh, man. I can do 80 minutes at major league level, um, you know, playing 80 minutes. But here, 
Um, I've never, I haven't done 80 minutes at the international level, um, so I'm usually either subbed in or I'm coming off the bench. And so uh, the speed of the game is a lot different. It's a lot more competitive. Uh, this week we play Scotland, and um, they're ranked number five in the world. And so um, if that gives you perspective, they, they played the All Blacks last year, which is the number one ranked in the world, and they just barely lost to them. So this is going to be a huge test for us. Um, and it's uh, it's going to be a huge opportunity as well. What's it like for a Kiwi to to don the red, white, and blue and represent the U.S.? Uh, it's awesome, man. Um, it's a privilege, you know, when you get your first cap. It's, uh, they have a ceremony, and um, first cap meaning your first test game at an international level. And every everyone, it's called a cap in rugby, so it's 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 a worldwide sort of a. Um, Sort of a ceremony, so it's a real, it's a real cool getting that that first cap, and um, you know it opens up doors for you going down the road, and so um, it was cool. It's cool to be able to represent USA. And it's a goofy looking hat, like it's literally a cap, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you yeah, would never um, wear that outside. You just put it up no, like a trophy. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. It's a really goofy looking cap, and um, <laughs> it's kind of a thing. Yeah, it's kind of a thing that you'll just leave, like either you'll like. Um, uh, trophy it or something, or you know, you leave it in a special place, and so you kind of have milestones. You have that first cap, and then you get another cap at 50, like a physical cap when you get your 50th test match. Um, so you don't get it every game, but uh, you know they'll have it at 50, and then when you reach a, reach 100, they'll give you another cap, and so. Um, and then the tradition here is when you get it, you have to leave it on for 24 hours, and so holy heck, when you get it, you literally have to. Everywhere you go, you're wearing it. So um, a couple of the boys just in this last tour got their first cap, and so they're wearing it 24 hours, and and then you can get rid of it. (laughs) (laughs) His resume is long and still growing. Paul Asike, rugby national champion at BYU, played in the NFL, Chicago Bears, Arizona Cardinals, now in Major League Rugby and playing for Team USA. Paul, if you were to rank Team USA rugby worldwide, where where would you put them in the uh, international rankings? Uh, well, so we actually know what we're ranked right now. So uh, we're ranked 15. Um, but, you know, our goal is to obviously get into the top 10. Because when you crack the top 10, um, kind of that's when you're consistently playing tier one nations and you're able to kind of climb the ranks and um, it's a lot more competitive. So um, just in this last year, we were ranked, I think, 19th or 20th. And so in the last eight games, um We've won the last five or six of them, and uh, we've gotten down to 15. So we're continually uh, trying to get better and um, and crack that top 10. So we have a huge opportunity this week uh, against number five. And um, and so yeah, it's uh, we we obviously got a lot of work to do in, as a USA team in terms of um, you know our our competitive our competitiveness and stuff. And so. Having this major league rugby here in the states is huge because this is the first actual professional, the first USA team where everyone plays rugby full time. Wow! Um, yeah, so in, previously in years past, we, there's never been um, a domestic uh, level like you know competitive um, competition, and so having the MLR with uh, so probably half of the team is is coming from the MLR tournament, and then half of the team is coming from overseas. 
And so this is the first team where everyone does rugby full-time. And so just that alone, we're going to continue to get better and better. And it's already shown we've jumped we've jumped up five places in the last year. And so, um, so yeah, it's, it's good. MLR is really good for USA Rugby. Paul, great to catch up with you. We appreciate the time. Always a pleasure, my friend. Good luck, Paul. No, yeah. Thanks, Spencer. Thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate it. You got it. Paul Asike on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. Let's give him some karma for the Scotland Absolutely. match on Saturday as well. And then they play in Halifax, uh, Nova Scotia coming up as well. I believe that's next week or the week after that. Number five, Scotland yeah. on Saturday. In Houston. Let's go, Eagles. BYUSN just tweeted out a picture of the cap. Yeah, that's a goofy-looking cap. But it's awesome, right? And you wear it for 24 hours. (laughs) I call some of the Utah Warriors games, and the amount of BYU guys on that team, and and there's Kyle Sumption on the Houston Sabercats and Dan Paul and and Sean Davies plays for the Glendale Raptors. It's fun to see these guys in the league. Like, BYU has a presence in Major League Rugby because of the success of uh, the past, so it's it's fun to catch up with Paul. Hey, coming up, what's the chance Taysom Hill scores a regular season touchdown? Drew Brees still talking about one of his potential heir apparents. And another day, another Fred Warner headline out of San Francisco. I can tell you this much. When I see Fred next, dinner's on him at Ruth's Chris. Yes. This is BYU Sports Nation. A couple of dinners, maybe. BYU Sports Nation friends. Thank you for being with us, and welcome back. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan, hanging out on Radio Vision Live on BYU Radio, simulcast on BYU TV. As always, we are on demand anytime, anywhere. Download the podcast, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn app, whichever you prefer. And now, for today's top BYUSN stories. It's your BYU Sports Nation headline. The San Francisco 49ers signed Fred Warner to a four-year deal. According to Over the Cap, Warner inked a signing bonus somewhere near just over a million dollars. Well then. Well-deserved, Fred. Let's go eat steak. You're buying. Fred Warner selected 70th overall by the 49ers in the third round of April's NFL draft. The NCAA announced new rule changes starting October 15th. Athletes can transfer and receive a scholarship without their school's permission. Conferences can still make rules that are more restrictive than the national rule. And beginning this season, football players can play up to four games at any point during the season without using a season of competition. They can redshirt and still play in four. Rhett Rasmussen tees off today at 2.42 p.m. Eastern Time in his opening round of the U.S. Open of Golf at Shinnecock Hills in Southampton, New York. The wind there is brutal. Rasmussen, one of just five teenagers in the 156-player field. He's had his driver's license for three years, <laughs> and he's playing in the U.S. Open. Good gravy. Only two players of the 156 in the field under par at this point, Scott Piercy and Ian Poulter, both leading at one under par. Well then. And Daniel Schneeman signs with the Cleveland Indians. Schneeman was picked by Cleveland in the 33rd round of the Major League Baseball draft. He looks good with the C there. The 2017 WCC Player of the Year hit 288 at BYU, five homers, 76 RBIs. Excellent shortstop, a, def- uh, a plus defender for sure. Excited to see... Uh, the Schneemanator in the minors. Jeremy, it's time, my friend, for our World Cup 
update. Oh, yeah. Let that marinate over you. On the steak that Fred Warner's buying us. In the opening match of the 2018 World Cup, Russia now leads Saudi Arabia 3-0. Two headers for three of those goals. The host team coming out strong. Team Croatia News, Jerem. Our official BYU Sports Nation World Cup That's team. That's our team, baby. CBSSports.com posting the odds for Croatia. Winning their pool at 25.5%. Now the top two advance, so they don't have to win it per se. They're in a group with Nigeria, Iceland, Iceland and Argentina. And Argentina led by Argentina. Lionel Messi. Expected to get out, right, of that group. So there's one other spot. In all I, I complimented you on your work for the road kit for Croatia at the beginning of the show. Yes, kit, boots, pitch, match. Croatia's kit, or jersey, if you're American, has made made the Vogue magazine, quote, most stylish World Cup soccer jerseys you'll want to wear after the game ends, end quote, list. Really big list name. 90 bucks. Is it worth 90 bucks? I'm considering buying it, seriously, from Nike.com so that I can wear it for the next month. (laughs) Especially on Croatia game days. That would be awesome. Uh, if someone wants to sponsor us and buy those for us. Somebody have a Nike too. discount for me? <laughs> we know a guy. Yes, we do. Well, a couple of guys. Uh, from the article, continuing on with this World Cup update, Croatia World, is can proud. Can we call it World Cup date? Croatia is proud to be Croatia, and that's great stylistically, too. The Central European country put its red and white checkerboard coat of arms print right on its jersey. It comes for a flashy, can't-miss-it moment on the field. Comes with the Nike swoosh symbol too. Uh, yeah, because it's from Nike. Duh. <laughs> Why wouldn't it? I want the road one. That's black and blue. It's from Reebok, but it doesn't have a Reebok logo. The road kit is where it's at. Well, we can't. We're not going to wear red on this. That is your day one World Cup update. You can wear red if it's with blue. Is that okay on this show? For example. Well, when it's the red, white, and blue of USA. Yeah, because yesterday I wore red with blue as well. And white and, like, purple or something. Is that a okay? A small amount of red represents BYU-Hawaii. Go Seasiders. They don't have athletics anymore. They're still red and white. They still have official school colors. What's BYU-Idaho's colors? <laughs> I, I don't know. You And what does me. the Fox say? <laughs> Coming up, what's the chance Rhett Rasmussen makes the cut of the U.S.? <laughs> One of the things. <laughs> and what's the chance Taysom Hill is actually going to throw a touchdown pass for the New Orleans Saints, Jerem. Drew Brees likes his chances, right? This is BYU Sports Nation. Pop, 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 pop. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYUSN will have a two-hour edition of the show coming up on BYU Football Media Day, which is next Friday, June 22nd. Players and coaches will join us on the program. Don't miss it. Live from Studio B, this is your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Our daily BYUS and rebroadcast airs weeknights on BYU TV at 6 p.m. Eastern. Our question of the day, which BYU all-time team would you put up against any other team in its particular sport? At OPC underscore killer. I, w- I got two woulda, coulda, shouldas for you. 2001 BYU football. Yep. Luke Staley stays healthy. Yep. 
2011 basketball. If BYU had Luke Staley and Brandon Davies, these teams could have beat any other. Yeah, I, I, we all want to see what what happened with Brandon Davies, and then Luke. If Luke Staley is healthy in 01, that team's gonna beat Hawaii, I think. Instead, they get two things happen with that team. One is BYU didn't have Luke Staley, so they weren't as good of a team on offense, the nation's top offense. So BYU gives up a record 72 points against Hawaii. But two, BYU lost hope because they were told prior to the game, you're not going to be in a major BCS game. You're not going to be in the Fiesta Bowl. So then BYU's like, we don't have Luke Staley, and all of a sudden, what are we playing for? You'd wish that you could overcome those. That's hard, though. So then BYU doesn't really show up, even though they score 45. Reno Mahia has a great day. But Hawaii just overwhelmed BYU in that game. Oh, that one's still at 72 points. Nick Rolovich, who's now the Hawaii head coach. 72 like eight points. It was, that was one of the worst days of my oh. life. I'll be honest. That day, December whatever, first or second, oh one, one of the worst days of my life. So I did some research during the break. Number. I did some research during the break to uh, argue for my 1983 team as the team I would take against any other. Okay. Uh, they started the 25-game win streak for one. They won 11 in a row. Okay. You can't. Yeah, 84 couldn't have started the 25-game win streak. Okay. They had 17 players on that team drafted into the NFL. Eventually drafted. <laughs> that's amazing. The draft went more than seven rounds, but that's awesome. <laughs> That's, that's awesome. Oh, what's the chance BYU's 83 team goes undefeated against uh, this year's schedule? We'll never know. I like their chances. Let's play What's the Chance. BYU Sports Nation asks, What's the Chance? Presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Ben Bagley, let's roll out number one. What's the chance Taysom Hill runs or throws for a regular season touchdown with the New Orleans Saints this season? I'll go 38%. It comes in in garbage time. Maybe an injury to Drew Brees. You don't want that to happen, but that'd be good news for Taysom Hill uh, if he's the backup. So, yeah, I'll 30, go 38%? 30, 38%? Oh, 3.8%. <laughs> okay. I'll go, yeah, I'll go 10%. Settle down, Jason Shepard. 38%. Oh, you're comparing me to Jason? I'll go 3.8%. Just in that instance. Just in that instance. Yeah, this is going to be a small number. A hundred percent with Tom the Savage. Goggles. Tom Savage could factor into this as well. Like, is he the quarterback in garbage? Is Taysom Hill even the backup? I know that at some point they want Taysom Hill potentially to be the guy. Tom Savage is a veteran backup. So if Breeze and Savage are gone, that's when Hill kind of takes advantage of that spot. But this season, regular season? Oof. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Like 5% chance that he runs or throws for a regular season touchdown for the I Saints. Would say, I would have a similar percentage for, like, sees the field as the quarterback. Like, there's a shot, but is he even the backup? Yeah. Okay, so maybe it's like a 1% chance that, that a touchdown happens? Because ha- you say he, that it's going to be a gets, low percentage he even gets on the field? Yeah. I Because Drew Brees doesn't get hurt. Yeah, maybe it's week 17 that the Saints have locked up the division and they don't need to play Breeze and they want to keep guys healthy. That's, that's when Taysom Hill has his best opportunity. Next. What's the chance that BYU signee Chinoso Opara will record a sack this season? He's got a vert. Uh, 100% now that uh, players can play four games and still richer. Throw him out there. 
No, I don't know if it's hundred percent. Let's say let's say forty uh, percent. Um, this kid is six nine three hundred, and yesterday he tweeted out thirty one point five inch vert. Not bad for six nine three hundred. Uh, you think this kid's from Nigeria? Good luck to Nigeria in the World Cup. Except they play against Croatia, so not against Croatia. Yeah, exactly. The- Chinoso Opara is Ziggy esque in that didn't play football growing up from Africa over here now raw talent could be something special for BYU who knows I'm not saying he's going to be the number five pick in the NFL draft one day but his raw athleticism is really good thirty one and a half percent to go along with his well done vertical leap that he will record a sack the opportunities for the BYU football coaches are there to run guys out. And not have to burn a redshirt. That is so valuable. Not just for BYU, but for all of college football. And I like that guys can get a chance. Okay, let's see how you stack up right now. Then you can get a feel a little bit of what the speed of an actual game is really like. Then you get your transfer film. You say, here's four games from last year. And you can't stop me from transferring. I like it. I like what the NCAA is doing here. 31.5% chance he gets a sack. Next. What's the chance BYU golfer Rhett Rasmussen makes the cut this weekend at Shinnecock Hills on Long Island? <sighs> Probably low. I, d- I don't want that to take away from the story, though. The fact that Rhett Rasmussen is even in the U.S. He's Open 19. Is he's awesome. 19. He's 19, and he's in the U.S. Open. Like, Tony Finau's helping him out, you know. There and unfortunately Tony didn't make the cut by like a shot. Bummer there. Um, I'm gonna go real low, like you know, ten percent. But the fact that Rhett's there is awesome. Like when you're just happy to be there, this is one of those instances. He's not supposed to be there. The fact that he's there is amazing. So enjoy it. Try and make the cut if you don't. Whatever. You're 19. Yeah, I'm not gonna put some sort of expectation on Rhett Rasmussen to make the cut. There was no expectation for him to make it. Exactly. He's already exceeded expectations by qualifying for the U.S. Open at such a young age. That that in and of itself is incredible. Well done, Rhett. You've already succeeded. Everything else here is gravy. But I want gravy as a necessary component on my potatoes. I don't don't want it like bonus. I'm like, oh, potatoes without gravy? What is this? You got to finish. We need a different phrase. You got to be in the top 70 ish to make the cut. Uh, as a 19-year-old competing in front of huge galleries and a national television audience, like he's going to experience something he's never really felt before, the pressure of what it's like to be <laughs> a professional golfer in one of the majors. So, yeah, 10%, 10%? Low. Let's keep it low. If he does, amazing. But let's not expect him to do it. All right. Good luck to Rhett the Jet Rasmussen as he works at the U.S. Open. As an amateur, one of five teenagers out of 156 players. That's pretty awesome. Incredible stuff. Coming up, we'll update you on uh, Russia and Saudi Arabia. Another goal, who scored? And why Fred Warner can buy almost anything he wants today. <laughs> Plus the elite voice of the nation. As long as he buys his dinner, I'm cool. You know, It's all about us in the end. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. This is BYU Sports Nation. You know Troy's like, dude, can I buy a car? What's the Chance is brought to you by BYU Food to Go. The MVP of your next event. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by DexterLaw.com for help when you need it most. Shout out to today's guest, Paul Lasique of Team USA Rugby and the Utah Warriors. Sorry, Dennis Pitta. Again, out of time. If you miss any part of today's show, you can always download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. 
Cougars in the NFL. 49ers signed Fred Warner to a four-year deal. According to Over the Cap, Warner will receive a signing bonus somewhere near a million dollars. Yeah. Warner was selected 70th overall, third round by the 49ers in the NFL draft. Golf. Rhett the Jet Rasmussen tees off at 242 Eastern in the opening round of the U.S. Open at Shinnecock Hills in Southampton, New York. Rasmussen, one of five teenagers in the 156-player field. Baseball. Daniel Schneeman signs with the Cleveland Indians. Schneeman was picked by Cleveland in the 33rd round of the MLB draft. 2017 WCC Defensive Player of the Year hit 288 at BYU with five homers and 76 RBIs. Cougars in the minors. Colton Shaver hit a solo home run and had two sacrifice flies in the Quad Cities River Bandits 5-4 win over the Clinton Lumber Kings. Shaver has eight home runs on the season, tied for most on his team. Jacob Hanneman, two for five, two RBIs and a run, and a stolen base in the Iowa Cubs 8-7 win over the Reno Aces in Triple A. Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter when help, or help when you need it most. DexterLaw.com. Jerem, who you got? Goes to Russia. They put up five on Saudi Arabia in the opening game of the World Cup. How about that? Yeah, that's uh, outstanding. Five nothing. Five Woo! nothing. Look out. Our question of the day, which BYU all-time team would you put up against any other team in its particular sport? From Craig Jeffcoat on Facebook, Jim McMahon's Hail Mary team in 1980 against any national championship team. That team was awesome. That team was really good, like one of the first great BYU teams. Absolutely. Our elite voice of the day from at Cosmo de Cougar on Twitter. I vote 84 football. People will always say, who'd they beat? To which I'll always say, who beat them? Yes, yes, we all see you over the UCF. Put your hand down. <laughs> you won the actual national championship, not a self-proclaimed one. The conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use hashtag BYUSN. Show on demand, BYUSN.com. Our audio podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and the TuneIn app. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Jeff Sproles, one of the 17 players drafted that was on the 1983 BYU football roster. BYU Sports Nation back at it tomorrow at noon Eastern. Go Croatia Saturday.